Johnny, how are you going? Good, Tom. Very, very good. Nice to be here. Yeah, so let's. we're going to talk about – this is Tech Tuesday and Realtor sponsored this once a month. We call it Tech Tuesday, and it's just a basic conversation on all stuff tech. And I sent you a, a message early this morning, John, um, you know, when, so I got into real estate in 88. I think you got in just uh, in the uh, middle 80s, mid 80s. Um, and, yeah, um, before that. yeah, about 84, I think, 84, yeah. Yeah. And we were just, you know, I was, John, I mean, I still remember the day that my uh, first employer got a fax machine in 19, um, 1990, 91, and he put this machine, he connected it up and he said, look, I've got great news for you. We're not going to have to sort of go in and fold letters and send them out by post um, and wait a week or two weeks for a reply. We can now actually just put these pieces of paper through this machine and they'll get it instantly. And it was a bit of a game changer, with particularly with solicitors, like things like order on the agent where things had, had settled or, 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 or anything. That was, that was 19... I'm thinking about it. That was 1990. That was when the fax machine. But he did say we can only use it if someone else we send it to has also got a fax machine, right? You can't. You couldn't. You couldn't use it um, um, otherwise, uh, John. But I just want yeah. to ask you: when you 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 were listing and selling real estate um, um, during that period, what did you have as a CRM system? Um. I started with a three by five card box, a, a, a little little um, timber box with three by five cards that I used to write out all the details of everyone I spoke to. And when I became successful, I had two card boxes. So that that was my technological advance was buying a second card box. Um, yeah, it was very different in those days. A lot of people now, obviously the younger brigade, they can't believe you know no mobile phones because back then you had to ring someone at home or work. And yeah. they had to catch you at, at work or, or home. We used to put our home numbers on the board as well uh, for inquiry. But there's early on, there's no mobile phone numbers, no mobile phones. And when they arrived, as you would remember, Tommy, I, you know, it used to be the size of a briefcase and you used to have to carry it around feeling very sort of dorkish with it. And, and uh, yeah, no internet. So, you know, you used to put signs up on balconies and little ads in the paper and you have to type ads up and send them to um to news limited and, and uh, fairfax and so forth so it's very different um i even remember you know coming back to data apps now with things like core logic you know i had to go to walara council which was a council that i worked in mainly and i had to take a checkbook and i had to ask to do property searches and then you go through them and then say great well that's five dollars and you have to write out a check so my boss would sign a couple of blank checks and i'd go and then write them out so it was very, very different in those days, and I do think that today with the technology that's available, it does allow people to go to a whole new level, and, and it has happened. Obviously, we've got agents doing phenomenal numbers. I remember one of the first things, Tommy, you'd probably remember this. There was a Wang word processor. And yes. Uh, I, I couldn't believe that because I thought the golf ball typewriters that went really fast, they were incredible, and then this machine arrived that looked pretty much like today's computer. And you'd type it in, and you could customize it, and you could you could go back, and it would invisibly erase, and and all of those things. You know, God, we're dating ourselves, but yeah, that was just how it started. So back in those days, we didn't know any difference, so there was no reason to complain. Um, but nowadays, so, technology advancements been phenomenal. So, so if you think about it now, John, like the reality is that 
I used to drive down the streets of Marrickville and Newtown, identifying the day the signboard went up, knowing that, you know, in three months, if it hasn't sold, it might expire. But my, my, my system was I would drive up and down the streets. Today, an agent goes on a CoreLogic RP data, presses a button, it shows them every listing that's been on the market for more than 60 days. Today, you can send a, you can send a video off to someone on a property and they look at it and um, they like it. Uh, they come back, they, they give you an offer, um, they sign it on DocuSign or, or Realtor's sign, sign platform, you get a deal done. I mean, the truth is tech, tech should mean, John, that we should be more efficient than we've ever been in, in, in real estate, if you think about it. Oh, and I think we are. Um, I mean, you and I probably like to think we we're as efficient back then. Certainly service levels were probably higher because I think we had to work harder to build rapport with with people and, and stay in close contact. But, um, yeah, technology nowadays, I mean, you know, you, you'd, you'd have a boot full of signboards and you'd get them out and put them on the balcony, you'd go back to the office and hope that someone would ring you. And nowadays it goes onto REA or Domain and, you know, it can, it can go globally. You can be getting calls from London this afternoon. So, so many things have changed. And yet also, Tommy, so many things have stayed the same. I mean you know, like auctions and open home inspections and just great good old-fashioned customer service, you know, they're still critical, building relationships and connections. And I think as technology gets more and more pervasive, in some ways it'll be a leveller because those people who were a bit disorganised might be able to catch up a bit with those because I think organisation was one of my core strengths when I was younger starting out. I was super-duper organised and Therefore, I did everything I committed to and promised to and was very, very efficient. I think nowadays, possibly less organised agents through having a PA and, and the technology that's available, you know, that, that's leveled the playing field. But there's still, you know, the, the thing that hasn't changed is some people are better with, with people than others. Some people talk straighter than others. So mm. I think, you know, even though technology's levelled the playing field, there's still plenty of room to stand out. Okay, so Pete, Pete Matthews said to me, he goes, the thing about McGrath's is I noticed when COVID, um, when COVID started, McGrath's went all in with, with tech. And he goes, I only look at my perspective. I saw them jump in on um, uh, pitch, which is the pre-listing document, the uh, uh, price update um, document, which, again, is, is pitch. You've also now got... Um, um, sign, so sign um, uh, um, and sell. Um, you've got those. Um, Chris Maud, he's, uh, Pete Matthews goes to me because I said to him, why do you reckon the McGraths are so so good at, you know, um, pitch, sign, sell? That's it. He goes, I go, why are they so good at um, implementing? And he goes, it's really simple. He goes, because when the company at a leadership level says we're going to go down this path. This is how we do things. It 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 sort of runs through. Whereas I find John with tech, everyone goes off and gets the subscriptions on everything, but they don't actually end up using a lot of the tech, right? So there's yeah. this thing about bleeding edge versus cutting edge, right? What actually can help you list and sell and what stuff do you get there that that complicates it? What what can I ask, John? What are like over the years, what technology have you found cutting edge and what was bleeding edge and and what sort of the tech that you've sort of kept using through COVID? 
and using it now. I know that you run your group your group meetings now. You do group meetings on Zoom all the time, isn't it? Yeah. Well, look, during COVID, we we felt there's a couple of things that are going to be critical. One is showing properties virtually and holding auctions uh, virtually. So Pete's technology at Realtor was a godsend because we and and I guess many others um, continued through COVID unabated because of uh, real-time auctions. I'm not sure what Pete's going to call them now, but I think it's part of the sell process. Signing on glass, of course, you know, was, was something you could, I mean, nowadays to actually get in a car, Tom, and drive from your office, you know, 20 kilometres and get a vendor to sign and then drive another 10 kilometres and, you know, sort of pollute the environment and chew up time and three hours later it's done versus sending all parties in real time. So things like, you know, the sign on glass are, are, are brilliant. So we we committed to every auction, um, virtual auction and, and live streaming, um, obviously checking people in and, and so forth. That was already a part of what we used, but we went all in and we just decided if we're going to do it, let's get serious about it. Um, we utilised uh, Zoom. Uh, we did a webinar. This is during COVID, not now, but we did a webinar every day at 9 o'clock. I used to watch Gladys Perejiklin tell me, come on at 11 o'clock, and it was kind of, comforting knowing that every day you'd be getting a little update from the Premier of New South Wales and that made everyone feel a bit calmer and in control. Mm. So I thought, well, let's do our version of Gladys's 11 o'clock and we did it, it could have been 8.30 or 9, I think it was 8.30 actually. We did a half hour every day just checking in, giving people some inspiration hopefully and some information about what was happening and if there's anything we needed to update them on, um, you know, we would, but otherwise we'd just try and, you know, give them a, a a point to to dock in during the day. So um, we definitely use, and still to, we now do weekly webinars across the group. So everyone in our company up and down the East Coast of Australia, you know, gets to watch, you know, Morty, Troy and I do a weekly webinar and, and, and it's recorded afterwards. So I think um, things like Zoom for meetings are incredible. Ahmed Nayak, and I know you've, you've spoken with him on your real estate gym, Tom, and uh, he's speaking uh, at, at some of the great events uh, around the place. And Armit, Armit um, uses his Tuesday afternoon and instead of going to see every single vendor, because he's now dealing with, we well, did 22 sales last month, so, you know, he's probably dealing with 30 vendors uh, ongoing every day. And so he has 15-minute Zoom calls with them, which rather than going somewhere, finding a park, getting out, going up, having a cup of tea, coming back out, which takes an hour, he does quick, sharp, 15-minute face-to-face. So I think Zoom's been you know, a really a really good and, uh, and strong piece of technology usage. But again, it's only as good as you use it, as you said. Zoom's there and available for everyone. In fact, it was there well and truly before COVID. But COVID forced us to use some of these things, just like online auctions. And we don't use online auctions presently for everything, but we we use them a lot. Um, but, you know, they were available beforehand, virtual tours. I know Matty Edwards at our Ballarat office, he used to do um, virtual inspections and he would set them up and they'd take about half an hour and he'd take his iPhone around, smartphone around the property and say, you know, Everyone, here we go, and here's the front room, and have a look, and let I'll take you up into the attic. And, you know, he just used the technology, and Matty is not a guy I'd call, you know, technologically sophisticated. He's a country guy, um, calls a spade a shovel, but he just grasped the technology and started using it, and he got phenomenal results during COVID uh, from that. So the, the thing about this technology, back to your point before, does leadership matter? I think leadership's got to embrace it. 
I personally get very excited about technology. You know, when I see something that's out there, you know, and I often send little TikTok videos to you when I see something that's interesting, I love sharing them with our team and I'll send them to our head of technology. You know, what are we doing about this? What do you think about this? Could we talk about it tomorrow? And we discuss a lot of these things and I'm I'm a great believer in ready, fire, aim is if it looks interesting, let's give it a crack. Let's not wait and do a thesis and a white paper and debate it with committees. If it looks interesting, either trial it as a company, trial it with a few individuals, trial one or two officers. There's plenty of ways to test technology and get the feedback. But until, Tommy, you actually get it into the marketplace, you can't really you know, test it. You, you've, you've got to actually get some real live feedback from consumers and from agents. So, yeah, yeah. I think you know, Zoom critical. I mean, REA technology, and, and as you know, I was early involved with REA, that's been the biggest by far technological advancement and change in the in my 40 years, and, and I'd imagine yours too, Tommy, the, the fact that you can list the property at 9 o'clock and get an inquiry from New York at 9.15 and and people can go online and watch videos and, and you know, all the great things, look at floor plans, look at carousel of images, make offers. Um, it's really phenomenal. So that would have to be the greatest. Well, I guess the internet, which preceded REA, has been the greatest game changer. But REA, as a uh, piece of technology or a website, if you will, has been the, the, the biggest change, I think, of all. Yeah, I think, John, I look at, you know, my 35 years in real estate and I look at big, big moments in the industry. Um, one of those was franchising. When, if you remember that era of franchising, it just sort of happened like a whirlwind. They, you know, that it, all these, you know, brands started popping up. That probably was the first big change in the structure of real estate. I think, John, uh, then the other two are realestate.com, which realestate.com took to someone's hand, someone's computer, who's strong and who's not. This is what's happening in the market. It was it, it was actually social proof on steroids, um, yeah. realestate.com, which is good if you're a great agent because things became obvious out there and not so good if you're you're not a you're not a great agent, you know. But I John, I, I mean my even when I was working in the media and my relationship with you and McGrath was that of a media supplier. You were always, this is before tech was tech, you were always um, fascinated and and now and you're always fascinated on how tech could actually be an enabler, not a substitute for people because we both agree high tech, high touch is probably the, the formula that you need in, in the world of real estate. Uh, but, John, um, Pete Matthews also told me that the um, McGrath you've been working on, on for some time are, uh, an app that has pretty much got everything that's going to allow a McGrath agent to to run their business. Um, how far yeah. is that away, John? Well, we're we're in the final stages and we're beta testing it right now, actually. So um, the problem that we found, Tommy, and, and I think a lot of agencies have found the same, is that there are now so many different apps and and platforms like Realtor that you know, and most of them you have to sign on, sign off, and then go somewhere else and then find a password. So part of the reason we wanted to develop an app, and our app, one of the things it does is bring all those together in a, in a single environment, McGrath environment, so you don't have to go in and out. You, if you right. want to get to Realtor or Agent Box, it's all done kind of within the app. And we looked at that and we still felt that, you know, once an agent leaves a lounge room, 
it takes them often four to eight hours, depending on how complex it is, to actually get a property ready for sale, ring up auctioneers, ring up photographers, book in floor planners, pest and building report. So my vision was, and still is, um, what if when you left the lounge room, everything had already been done magically for you, and then the next and only task you do is go and sell the property. So we've we've developed, or sorry, we're developing and 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 implementing an app that's going to allow all of that to almost invisibly happen while you're with the client, including helping the client get repairs done and, and um, book in pest and building reports, auctioneers go invites go to diaries. So there's nothing. Once you you know it'll just be taps taps on your iPad or your phone. You'll get to the end of it, sign on glass through Realtor, and um, it, it'll all be one environment. Because I do think that that is the issue with technology now. There's so much of it, and most of it is not interconnected. There are APIs that connect them functionally, but experientially, you've still got to go in and out of different ones to get there. So we're wanting to bring all that together, and we and we believe we will with the new app, which which as I said, will be will be in the field basically as of next week, testing. Okay. Okay. Now, John, um, we've got a big real estate audience that's watching on Facebook. We've actually even got a couple, what have we got, 183 people here on Zoom as well. Um, just before we came on, I quickly went on and had a look. At the RBA um, put rates up by a quarter of a percent. It was 50-50 whether they'd put, I mean, you know, if you ask the average person, some said, oh, it'll go up. Some people said, oh, no, it'll probably just stay down the way they did last month. Uh, did it surprise you that it went up, John, or did you expect that? Oh, look, I was 50-50, Tom. I think that, yeah, the Reserve Banks is is very laser-focused on getting um, inflation back to sort of 2 3 4%, or at least under 4 to start with, and then eventually to 1% to 2%. And uh, whilst it's heading in the right way, some could argue it's been painfully slow despite 10, now 11, I think, rate rises. So, uh, you know, I think it's it's a difficult one because it feels like they've only got a one-trick pony, which is keep jamming interest rates up and up and up and up. So the problem with that is, you know, um, it's it's going to start creating as many problems potentially I, I, I could envisage as it is fixing. So, you know, not being an economist, I'm not sure either what other options they've got, but I do know when you go to IGA, you know, instead of costing you $40 for a basket of, uh, goods for the day it costs you 80 and when you fill your car up instead of 120 it's 200 so there's a lot of things contributing that are not interest rate related um to it so uh look you know from, from my perspective just get it done with if it's got to be done if you've got to do one this month and one next month get it down as fast as possible and and in the meantime i would back the banks to try and find ways to support their clients banks and lenders don't like selling up their clients uh, it's the last thing they want to do. And most of them, as we saw during the GFC, uh, most of them will find a way to support uh, or give enough time to their clients to either sell an investment property or give them a small honeymoon of, of uh, interest and so forth. So, um, yeah, look, it's, it's one of those things in life, but we can't change it. And as you and I always say, you've got to focus on the things you can change, and uh, that's one we can't. Yeah. But in the market, John, I mean... Um... Just in the last four or five weeks, I know that I've been talking to a lot of your agents. I've speak to you and, and Troy on the podcast before we go on, and we always just touch what are the agents saying. 
it's been surprisingly an extremely healthy market in the last five weeks. Great prices, lower days on market, highest clearance rates that we've seen since probably May 2022. Um, so it appears that from, a, I mean, I know what you're saying, that we've got this uh, 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 inflation issue, but real estate for the last five weeks seems like it's uh, kicked off again. Is that how are you finding it with yeah. the, your offices? Look, uh, yeah, yeah, exactly right, Tommy. It's scarily strong. Um, it feels to me that buyers have just, they're all lining up again, they're following each other. Um, I think there are still some underlying issues within the economy that need to be fixed, and I think that's going to take the best part of 12 or 18 months. I would have liked to have seen this, to be honest, more of a period of stabilisation, but it feels like everyone's jumping back on the on the bandwagon again, um, despite interest rates going up ten or eleven times. So it, yeah, it's a little bit a little bit on the scary side, but I guess a lot of people default back to property. Um, there's been a lot of wealth created, especially in the bigger cities and the bigger regionals around Australia, um, and a lot of people are wanting to put it in, into either their lifestyle property. Um, their main or their secondary property, uh, and you know, I know you're a, you're one of the Byron Bay um, investors up there, and that's the classic example of people. Everyone wants to, a piece of Australian paradise in a great um, sea change opportunity. So I think that um, I think that that's the situation. Listings are tight because no one can find anything else. So it's like a self fulfilling, you know, uh, negative circle that. I'm not going to sell until I can find something. Well, if you don't sell, no one's going to be able to find your property. And but that's that's because if you're a vendor right now and you were tapped into the market and talking to agents and attending auctions, you'd be saying, "Well, what a perfect time to sell." It's a strong mm. market, but they're mm. still not because they're saying, "Well, but if I sell, I can't find anything." So the cart and the horse are both next to each other, and I guess we've just got to see if people are going to be prepared to take the leap and go to market, which that's what I'm saying to my clients. I said, look, the reason the market's so strong is exactly because you can't find anything. So you can't have it both if you're a seller, and I say this to my friends, if you're a seller, you've either got to take the leap now or if you wait until there's a uh, an abundance of things to buy, the pro- your price is going to be down. So maybe you just jump in and buy and, and, and sell, and then if you have to rent for six months, which is the other issue at the moment because of such a lack of stock, of rental properties, I mean, rents are up 25% in most parts of Australia, some some more. Um, so anyway, it's all, it's all fun. And when I say it's fun, I don't say that in a silly way. I mean, it's, it's all a part of the game of life and the game of real estate. And as I said, you can only deal with the cards you're dealt. And right now, we've got interest rates that are going high. We've got buyers that are turning up to auctions despite that. We've got good property that's selling for 200000 I mean, I watch your TikToks and reports of a Saturday night, some of the results, you've been getting the ex- same experience that we've had. It's hundreds of thousands above what we expected. So yeah. um, interesting. So, John, John Craig Aspie has asked a question here. With the ongoing trend of remote work and the increasing popularity of flexible work arrangements, how do you see this impacting the real estate market in the coming years? Do you think there will be a continued demand for larger homes in suburban area, or will we see a shift towards more urban living and smaller, more affordable homes? Oh, John, I see it, you know, the cafe around the corner from me, Hungry Grasshopper, it's very clear to me at around 10.30, you've got all these um, 
um, people that are working from home in Zoom, they're ducking off and they, they weren't there three years ago. They're ducking off and they're having their coffee break outside the cafe. And then you, you, you can, you, the way you can tell is generally speaking, well, sorry, I don't know why that's ringing. The way you can tell is generally speaking is they're wearing a nice top at the top and a little bit more casual down the bottom. So you can tell that they've been sitting there, sitting there on, on a screen. But do you think the way yeah. that we live in Australia, we're going to move towards, is the kind of house going to change because of this structural change of not going to the office? Yeah, it's a great question from Craig. I think COVID has changed the world forever. Not necessarily in a bad way, other than those who lost lives, but we've uh, got long COVID. But let me let's let's there's several layers of it, Tommy. So let me answer Craig's question in a few ways. Um, number one is I was talking to a, one of my neighbours. I was walking Snitzel and Pickle the other day, and one of my neighbours worked for CSR, big, used to be a sugar company, now it's building supplies company, massive, multi-billion dollar. And um, she was saying to me, oh, it's great working working from home. I said, and I know that she's a senior executive. I said, well, when you, when you say working from home, what do you mean? She said, well, we work from home Mondays and Fridays and we go into their office Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. And I said, is, is that everyone? She said, yeah, unless you're in like the warehouse and they need you to move pallets around. Everyone, you know, junior staff, senior staff, executive, CEO, everyone works from home Monday to Friday. Now, CSR, I, I don't know them well, but I imagine they're big big, probably conservative company, and they've just made a mandate is everyone Monday to Friday. So you think, how does that impact real estate? Well, possibly husband and wife or, or, or the two main uh, owners of a property are both at home Monday, Tuesday or Monday, Friday or Monday through to Friday. So the shape of the house has to change to accommodate that or you're going to find so many divorces, it's not, not funny. Um, people need to be able to create space to do Zoom calls like this. They need better connectivity. They're, you know, they're going to have more leisure time, um, less travel commuting. So that's probably for most people two hours extra at home that they would have spent on a train. So I think that it's going to change. It has already and will continue to change the shape um, of the home. It, it, people will need a bit more space. Um, I think it's also a lot of people that were dreaming of moving to the Central Coast and living in Terrigal one day. They're doing it now. They're saying, why would, I wait, why would I wait till I'm 65? I'm 58. Uh, I only have to go to work two days a week. I can work the rest of the week from home, wherever that might be. So I think the, what, the reason that the regionals like Illawarra, Hunter, uh, Central Coast, Gold Coast, Sunshine Coast, you know, all the great regionals of Australia, and, and that's only a few of them, is that people are now saying, I'm going to go there early. I'm not going to wait. Life's short. You know, a few friends died from COVID. I'm now working from home, um, you know, three days a week. So I'm just going to take advantage and I'm going to go for swims in the morning and I walk the dog and I'll put keep my pyjama bottoms on and put a top uh, and I'll sit at my desk at 9 o'clock ready to, to blog. That's exactly what she said to me. She said, um, basically, she said, I was in my pyjamas till quarter to 9 and my 9 was my first, so I got ready. And she's a hard worker for sure, but it was interesting what she said. Um, commercial real estate, I mean, they're saying that many buildings in the city and in and around the city are still 50% empty. Um, so the deals, we've just cut a new deal. We're moving offices at the moment as we speak, and we've just cut a very good deal, which is there's many very good deals in the market um, because landlords want good tenants in their properties and they've got mm -hmm. empty buildings or buildings with month-to-month -month tenants 
that are negotiating and haggling rent down. So I think, um, you know, we're going to see a different set of um, commercial buildings and some of those will be retrofitted into residential. Um, yeah, I, I think there's been a lot of a lot of changes, but definitely the shape and location of the home because, you know, some people are moving to Mudgee, some are moving to Bathurst, some are moving to Terrigal. But uh, anything within, you know, two or three hours of a, of a main hub, airport, major city, I think is just going to be in perpetual boom almost almost indefinitely. Yeah. So, John, to, to me, the biggest change that I've seen is there was always this view, try and buy as close as possible to the city, and if you can't, buy the next buy the next suburb because that'll be that that'll that'll go up. But what what COVID saw is these suburbs that always went up at a lower rate than the inner parts of um, Sydney and Melbourne. They blossomed and they continued to blossom because it appeared that a lot of people chose to say, "Hey, give me space." and not a unit in town because maybe yeah. I won't have to go into town every day. Um, and, um, yeah, that's, that, that's the, other, the other side. All, all, over, all over Sydney, even some marketplaces, John, that weren't auction-orientated markets out in southwest, Canterbury-Bankstown, you know, uh, the hills, yeah. um, Parramatta. Like I look at, you know, we're talking about a mid. I mean, Admit every transaction that admit does is an auction in 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 Parramatta and Parramatta and units units of that. I think nearly every deal he does it. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, no, I agree. And, and look, infrastructure. I know we start. We've we've been talking mainly technology, but infrastructure. And you and I are residents of the inner west. I mean, I'm living at Breakfast Point, and up until five minutes ago, to get to the airport, it used to take me an hour. It now takes me 20 minutes because of the West Connects tunnel, which kind of virtually goes from my door to the airport. Um, so you've got infrastructure, you've got technology. Um, you know, the, the Central Coast is now 25 minutes closer to the city than it ever was because of the M2 and the North Connects. And I you know, apologise to all those that are watching that aren't from Sydney, but the Sydney side doesn't know what I'm saying. So I think, you know, a good agent and a good investor needs to be, you know, across all of this, watching what's happening in your city or town, um, you know, keeping an eye on the infrastructure that's taking place, trying to figure out, as Craig asked a great question, well, you know, what's what's the design of the future or the present? It's going to be different. Granny flats, studios and gardens and so forth, because a lot of people actually don't want to necessarily work in their home. And, yes, you can you can have an office in your home, but a lot of people want to have, if possible, a second building like a granny flat um, you know, in, in the backyard. So I think, you know, that's going to happen a lot. So it's really interesting. So I think COVID, uh, despite the horrible things that, that happened during COVID and it brought to us, I think there's probably going to be some enhancements to all of our lifestyles as a result of having gone through COVID. Mm, well said. So those watching now, if, you, uh, if you're not uh, on Real Tear and you've got an appetite to get on Real Tear, Susan, I might get you to just put a link up there, Real Tear, dot com and go in and um john that's on us uh john on that's on the program with us mcgrath's there have been long-term users of it i just want to answer this question david dyer who's a good uh, friend and client of ours johnny comes to all our our courses what are your thoughts on the property life cycle i'm finding that 20 percent of new listings in the market were purchased within the last three years um 
So it's interesting, interesting you know, we, yeah. yeah, it is a good thing that David's raised there. Tommy, I, I have heard that in in uh, in previous times, and I don't recall these, but in previous times when there was a little bit of an exodus out of cities before for various reasons, and obviously the most recent being COVID, um, a lot of people did make the move and then found out like, uh, they actually enjoyed the city living and moved back. So num- number one is I do think uh, there are going to be some people that move to um, you know, Noosa or, or Byron or wherever and just whilst they might love it, they might feel that they miss other things and people back in Sydney or Brisbane or Melbourne. So there will be a little bit of that. I think interest rates is, is another unfortunate and obvious one that um, most people to save their main primary residence will sell any secondary investment or getaway uh, or weekend that they might have. So I think that that will cause probably more so during this year than we've seen to date. Um, we'll see a little bit of that, that, that um, most people bought with interest rates at, you know, 1.9% and they're now having to pay 6% and they're saying, God, this is not fun. So, uh, yeah, I, th- I, think it's, I think it's interesting. And the other thing is REA we spoke of before. Tom, when you and I were selling, you know, the only real way to market a property or buy a property was through the Wentworth Courier or the Inner West Courier or the Courier Mail in Brisbane. And it was pretty much a localised market because if I was in Sydney interested in buying in Brisbane, it was kind of pretty hard to keep track of it. Nowadays, you know, I get notifications coming all day on, in your phone yeah, this property has been listed, this price has been adjusted, this home's open tomorrow for an hour. So I think a lot of people are moving around a lot more. They're more mobile than uh, than ever before and they're now looking at other options. And they're mm. saying, yeah, a friend of mine has moved down the south coast. Let's check it out. Go to REA, check it out. So I do think there's a few things coming together in a sort of a perfect storm um, that are causing people to move probably a little bit more frequently um, having said that, with listings off the market right at the moment, you'll probably find in two years we'll look back and, and we'll see that on average ownership during this period extended rather than contracted. I think you'll find the contraction is still a fairly it was smaller ratio or smaller percentage. Most people are actually holding a bit longer because they're scared of what's happening and no one knows what's happening in the in the economy and the market. So I think a lot of people are going to hang on and just sort of wait until interest rates stabilise and then see what the economy does and what the governments do, and then they'll sort of decide and they'll make a move then. The other thing, of course, is population increase. Immigration is just, in Australia in particular, is spiralling through the roof, and I see that as a good thing, and, of course, it's a catch-up because COVID, we had no no uh, immigration. But uh, that's the other thing that's going to be impacting, um, you know, supply and demand, prices in some communities, prices are going to be spiked by overseas immigrants and expats returning. So it's all interesting stuff. Does it surprise you, John, 11 rate rises pretty much every month, minus a couple of months. We had a holiday, no rate rises last month in January where they don't meet. Does it surprise you 11 rate rises are tripling of the interest rate, yet there's not much distress selling or listings you know, falling off the mortgage cliff that people were expecting? Or, or am I wrong? Are you getting feedback there is mortgage stress and there is distress selling? No, there's a trickle. There's a trickle, but it's not, thank God, there's not a rush of mortgage sales. I think it's it comes down to a few things, Tommy. Number one is some people just have the ability. They cut down on their discretionary spending and they, they have the ability to tighten their belt for 
12-month period because I think we will see rates hit a U-turn at some point and come back once inflation's been tamed. So I think there's some people are just going to, they've got the extra buffer in. Two is I think some people have all, have already made a move to sell their uh, either their home or their other property. So some people have avoided you know, too much and, and they've been helped by a, a strong market. So most people haven't had to take a bath in, in terms of, of that. I think that you know those two things, and and the third one is the banks, as I mentioned before, they're pretty damn good. I mean, the, the Australian big four banks, for example, they're they're amongst the world's top ten or twenty banks in the world. They've got a particularly good reputation, and the last thing they want to do is call any of their clients and say, "I'm sending an agent around to put a board up." So they will do everything possible, and they have done everything possible to try and come to an arrangement with a client to, to get them through this difficult period. So I think all of those things uh, have meant that there's been um, a thankfully low number of mortgagee sales. I'm sure statistically, if you looked at the data, mortgagee sales would be much higher than they've been, you know, in any average year, but they still haven't hit uh, a point where I think uh, they've become obviously spiked. You know, we're, we're, we're selling some and, and we hate it in a way because it's just horrible thing to have to sell a family up um, out of their home. But, uh, yeah, I mean, you've that's that's the time we're in for the next six to 12 months, I think. All right. Johnny, thanks for joining us today. You know, Pete was very keen to, uh, to have you on. We see you as being the most influential person in real estate in the last four decades of real estate, the guy that introduced marketing, EBUs, structures and processes and was then uh, good enough to actually create the largest real estate or actually largest business conference. I mean, I don't think there's a – forget real estate. I don't think there's a lawyer's conference or an accountant's conference or, a you know, uh, any sort of conference that gets over 4,000 people um, attend that, uh, which, uh, which you were kind enough to actually set up early on. Only a few hundred people went back then, but, you know, this, 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 uh, this, this month – we have uh, Eric happening for the 25th time, 25th time, and there'll be four, four and a half thousand, four and four and a half thousand people there. And I want to thank everyone that joined in today. I want to let you know that um, Susan's put the Realtor uh, link up there. And, uh, you know, one of the things that John's covered here that Peter has reiterated with me, he goes, when he looks at businesses that are using technology well, it has normally been driven from a top-down approach. Um, which has happened um, um, at McGrath's. And, John, you know, looking forward to seeing over the next few months uh, how your app uh, 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 ends up looking. And it sounds it sounds exciting. It sounds like what you've done there is just going to try and make it seamless for all the main things, whether it's a, whether it's Realtor or whether it's a CRM system, that it all works in a nice ecosystem in a seamless way. Yeah. It sounds like that that's what you've tried to do. Yeah, so Tom, I'm not, I know you've got to go, Tommy. Look, I've got no commercial relationship with Pete other than I love him as a human being. He's a great guy. Realtor is a great product that we use. I certainly don't get paid for saying it, but, you know, I support Pete wherever he goes because I think he's a great person for the industry. Is he still the head of the Institute? I think he's still the... He is. He's a, he's, yeah. he's, he's, he's a president he of the president. Yeah, I, I don't know either, John. He runs around. He does options. He's running He's running Realtor, you know. He's... Um, He's, uh, and and he's, never flustered, and never you never feel pressured when you're with. It. It's phenomenal, and, and yeah, he's he's a dear friend. Um, yeah, you know, we use all the Realtor products through our business. 
any, anyone listening, as I said, I've got no, no, no commercial benefit from saying it, but they're, they're, they are a great. I think they're the Rolls Royce of the, the products in their class out there. So we, you know, we haven't seen any need to look elsewhere. We're very happy, and they'll continue as we build our, our app. As I said, you know, we'll be using the Realtor product beneath the app, but it'll just appear in a McGrath environment. So there's lots of good things happening. Um, but yeah, the only thing I'd say is is jump in, try this stuff and just see how it works. All right. John McGrath from McGrath on Tech Tuesday. To all our uh, audience, thank you again for tuning in. We'll see you next month where we talk tech every Tuesday once a month. Johnny signing off. Signing off for everyone. Stay well.